It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. There's one thing about Las Vegas. Comedy is always king here. And one member of the King's Court is my guest, comedian Mike Sacconi. He's headlining in the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Las Vegas through August 27th. For ticket information, go to troplv.com and you can follow Mike Sacconi on Facebook. Mike, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks, Ira. Good to see you. Yeah, I was looking back as to when I had you on the show before and nothing personal, but it looked about 2008, I think. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't want to have, have you back on. It's just that the show has changed names and, and locations over the years. And all of a sudden, I saw you were coming into the Laugh Factory. And I said, got to get Mike on the show. Thanks for uh, digging me up. <laughs> Why are you so... <laughs> bit, you know, you. I was thinking it was even farther back than that. It may, it may be. You were teaching a class at UNLV on comedy, and you had me come and speak. Correct. Was that that what well, you're right. That was even earlier, so that would have been early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I went and looked at what I thought were my archives. Couldn't find you, but I found the date. I had your name and a date, and I think it was 2008. But we're boring the audience about the fact that you haven't been on in 19,000 years. I'm here now. That's <laughs> that's a very actually correct. And I'd like to point out to our audience, those who are listening and don't see it, but Mike has a lot of equipment behind him. Hard to tell whether some of it's actually gym equipment, pinball machines, or other assorted accoutrement. So, yes. Well, you are seeing one of 15 pinball machines. You have 15 of them? Yes. I, I restore and collect antique pinball machines. This I did not know about you. Yes, that's that's my obsession, my hobby. <laughs> uh, I got into it several years ago, and, and it's just become a, a thing. It eats me up. I have to have more and more pinball machines. But it's not like collecting stamps. You know, they take up a lot of room. So yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so <laughs> many <pinball> machines. <laughs> you can't exactly put 15 pinball machines on a shelf. Yeah, I understand what you're exactly. saying. Exactly. <laughs> So in other well, that's words, one, that's the office one right there. Uh, very nice. Well, how did you? Well, before we even get into that, I want to just to give some background to our listeners and viewers who may not know about Mike Sacconi. And by the way, have you ever thought about changing your last name to something more Italian and common, like Spumoni instead of Sacconi? What do you think? No, I'm no. gonna stick with. All right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Besides being a native of Kansas, Missouri, you uh, Missouri. Missouri. What did I say? You said a native of Kansas. I thought I said native of Kansas City, Missouri. Didn't I say that? Oh, Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, yes. That's yeah, true. okay. Oh, that's right, there you go. Uh, anyway, you were the Star Search Comedy Grand Champion where you won a $100,000 right. first prize. Correct. And you've used that money to invest in pinball machines, and you are now worth $10 billion in the pinball market. It's incredible. What a it's, story. What a turn I took. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I got to get back to the pinball machines and then back to your career. When did okay. you start with this pinball machine fetish? 
Notice I said fetish uh, instead of hobby or business. It, it is kind of a fetish, really. Yeah. I'm kind of in love with them. Um, <laughs> I, I started back, well, way back when I was a kid. You know, I used to go to the uh, bowling alley. My dad would give me a dollar, and you had to make a dollar last. So you had to really get good to win games, to play free <laughs> <True. games. laughs> I loved them. And then when I was 17, I was still in high school. I opened a pinball arcade with my brother. And um, we'd had that for a short while. Then life went on and I became a comedian and all that. And then when I was uh, about 50, my wife bought me a pinball machine for my birthday. We saw one at a uh, antique shop and I just, it needed work. So I mm -hmm. taught myself how to fix it. And then I just became obsessed and I started looking at them online and eBay and I just started buying more and fixing more and learning more and becoming falling in love with the artwork of, I mean, they're really like a, a, a sculpture, mm -hmm. you know, there's beautiful artwork from the fifties, minor from the fifties and the sixties, which is the era I grew up in. So that's why I guess I'm in love with that era. And, um, I just, um, can't get enough of them. And, uh, I, I work on them. I paint them, uh, my girlfriend helps me paint him. She's more the artist, mm -hmm. you know, I'm more working on the guts. And I, and then you play them. I play them every day. Every well, day. How do people know? I'm assuming you repair them and fix them for others. So how do people know that you do this? Is there an underground? Oh, you don't? I Is don't fix them for others. You know, okay. For me. I mean, if someone asked me to fix theirs, yeah. I have. Okay. Couple, but it's not like my business. Got to it. Do that. Got it. You lived in Las Vegas for many years, and now you're you're in the Midwest. But you know that in Las Vegas, there's a pinball pinball museum hall of fame. I'm very familiar with it. Okay. Yeah, when I stay at the Trop, where I'm working at the Laugh Factory coming up in August. Uh, it is August. It's through August 27th. <laughs> right. I, it's right up the street, you know, from the Trop. So I just walk right up there, and it's fantastic. It's got. It, a lot of the machines aren't working there, which is a little disappointing. But, I mean, it's just a big building full of pinball machines. It couldn't be more my fantasy place, you know. So, in other words, it should be called Nirvana for Mike Sacconi. For me, yeah. yeah. They would they find me sleeping in there sometimes uh, <laughs> under a machine. <laughs> we were talking before the show, and I said how hard it was to get hold of you, even though you're the headliner there. You don't have a website. You're. <laughs> I looked everywhere. Yes, you have a Facebook page, but that still doesn't show how to get hold of you. I was able to through my own machinations. But why is that? Why are you not uh, above the radar or below? Why are you uh, either above or below the radar, but not on the radar? Well, you're a pretty good detective, actually, Ira, <laughs> just to find me at all. <laughs> People go, what happened to Zaccone? Is he on the lamb or is he on the Federal witness protection. <laughs> uh, the truth is, a few years ago, I kind of went into semi-retirement and uh, with comedy, and I still do a couple gigs that I love. You know, people that I like working for, Harry Basil. He's got the Laugh Factory in Vegas. I love Harry. I love the club. I love the Tropicana. Uh, in fact, there, here's a, a point I would like to make. You know, the trap is due to be imploded soon. I'm not happy about that, yes. I am not happy about that either. It's the la one of the last, that and the Flamingo, the last two of the originals. And I'm from Kansas City, Missouri, 
and and you you probably know about the uh, the the Vegas uh, skim. Mm-hmm. Remember the, the old Vegas? Oh with yes. The mob oh yes. Vegas. With the stardust and, and all of that. Yes. Yeah, and that was out of Kansas City. The Kansas City mob quotes. I'll put that quotes. <laughs> no names mentioned. Understood. Uh, it's running the skim through Kansas City. But they also, so, I think, wait a minute, though, Mike, they also ran pinball machines, too. So there's a connection with you and all of that, isn't there? I'm just hey, saying. We don't, we don't need to draw those <laughs> lines. You, you're too much of an investigator now. But no, I, 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 I the Trop was the first place I played in Vegas in 1990, uh, right after I won Star Search. Uh, I was there with uh, Jeff Foxworthy and Robert Schimmel, and uh, Sam Butera was down in the lounge. Right. Sam Butera and the Witnesses. Were those in the days of Bob Kephart? Those were the days of Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, it was before Bob. Okay, yes. All right. Before Bob, Rodney had it for a very short time. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, I claim myself, and I would love someone to challenge me on this, I think I'm the only guy <laughs> who's played all four regimes. Of the Tropicana. Could very club. well be, yes. It was Rodney Dangerfield. Then it was Bob Kephart for a long time. A lot of guys played for Bob. Then it was Brad Garrett for a short time. I played also for him. And now for Harry Basil. So I would love to know if anybody else has played all four of those uh, regimes because Rodney's regime was very short. Right. And Brad's was short, and the names and the names also changed too. It wasn't it wasn't the Laugh Factory when it first started. So, right, yeah. right. It was Bob Kephart's was the the comedy stop, right? Rodney's and then Brad Garrett's was Brad Garrett's Comedy Club, of course. And when Rodney had it, it was the best. And Harry's very, you know, Rodney and Harry are connected at the hip. They did work together. He opened for Rodney. Harry uh, produced a bunch of Rodney's movies. So he has the same sensibilities as Rodney. Mm-hmm. He's a comic himself. So he treats the comics very well. We get, you know, everything we want. And that's how Rodney was, too. Even to the point where the hotel was like, enough already. <laughs> <laughs> Given the comedians everything they ask for. <laughs> but I want to get back to the fact that you're semi-retired because it seems, first of all, you look very well. So externally, you could go on forever. Look at that. Look at that. For those who can't see, he's very handsome. Yeah, it's actually. I've been working very handsome. Care. Gray hair, but very dignified and just he looks healthy. Probably from living in the Midwest, away from all the craziness of the West Coast and the East Coast. I think. Better to keep me dewy. <laughs> so why did you decide to semi-retire? Was it just, okay, you've had enough and you, you want to do other things? You want to focus on pinball machines and just relaxing and enjoying life? Well, that's a that's kind of a long story, serious, sad story, really. I am I am twice widowed. Oh man, sorry to hear that. Yeah, and uh, when I was living in Las Vegas back in two thousand, well, I moved there in ninety eight. I was married, my first wife. We had two daughters, and she uh, got sick. She got cancer in Las Vegas, and she passed away. I had the two daughters there, and I worked in Las Vegas a lot, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, I had chiseled out a little niche for myself in Vegas, so I luckily could work in town, not travel, be home with the kids, and it was great. I was also in a bunch of the production shows, 
Crazy Girls, uh, Midnight Fantasy, uh, the Showgirls of Magic, which was fabulous bad show. <laughs> As opposed to the Magic Showgirls. <laughs> yeah, it was Showgirls doing magic, and they weren't magicians. They were just of Showgirls. They taught them a couple tricks, and I would go out in between and do jokes, and I would explain to the audience what that last trick that they just saw, how it was supposed to go. <laughs> I think what killed it is they were dressed like Lance Burton, so that's why it didn't work as well over the time. But they, but we we shared a dressing room. That was the oh, best part of it. Absolutely, game. of course. Uh, I was in a room with four naked women every night. People nice. always said, How's that job? And I said, I'm coming early, <laughs> I'm staying late. It's pretty good. But at some point you leave Las Vegas and you move to the Midwest. Right. Or well, move back, I should say. Got married again. It moved to LA. Then my wife got early onset Alzheimer's. Wow. I took care of her. Here, here's where the retirement story comes in. I was taking care of her for like seven years. And then uh, she became very ill and passed in uh, 18. And so in 18, I, uh, you know, I, I went back to working a little bit. So just like I said, to gigs that I like to do and, it also seemed that I like to be retired <laughs> and <laughs> like pinball machines and play pickleball. Uh, so therefore, uh, pickleball machines. I'm not real eager to travel all over the country anymore. Right. So I pick and choose a couple gigs and uh, Vegas is one of them. Are you going to create the pickleball machine next? Does that combine those two elements? Pinball mm -hmm. and pickleball? What do you think? Could that work? What idea. I want 20%. There thank you. There's no pinball uh, pickleball machine. No, I don't think so. Jot this down. Jot it down, yeah. piece of this if it comes to fruition. Don't worry. All right. I always give my guests great ideas. I just don't like to execute them on my own because it requires work. So, you know, exactly. I didn't want to do that. Now, okay, this is going to sound like dark humor, but should your girlfriend be worried? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've already done that joke, believe me. I bet. <laughs> she is moving in with me, my girlfriend. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, what? What a brave soul you <laughs> said, You know, being a double widow is not something you lead with on Match.com. <laughs> Correct. You know? Hi, I'm Mike. I got two dead wives. <laughs> no, I know. Oh, that, that's tough. Oh, marry me, you know? But think about it. Mm -hmm. What are the odds that I would be a triple? Well, know? I hate to say it, but so far, I've, the odds look good. History suggests. <laughs> yeah, history <laughs> suggests. You know, uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's patterns in the universe, Mike. This may be one of them. <laughs> so, okay, enough of dark humor. <laughs> but when yeah, you were no, all that. <laughs> but you think if you marry a guy with no dead wives, right. he's due. He's oh, due. yes, right. Right. But you can marry a guy with two dead wives and a sense of humor. You've got to, you've got to start there. There you go. The yeah. way it looks. So well, when you were taking time off to do with caregiving, and I listen, everybody appreciates it and respects that. How do you retain the comedy chops if you're not on stage on a regular basis? Is it because you're naturally funny or do you have to work it out a little bit before going back on stage? How does that work for you? That's a good question. And I wondered the same myself because I would go for these extended periods, six months, eight months, zero time on stage. Uh, and I would then approaching a date coming up and I would be really nervous and go, oh, man, like you said, I, I, am I going to be rusty? And 
But as soon as I get on stage, there's something that kind of kicks in that goes, oh, yeah, I know this. <laughs> I, I know the mechanics of this. And, and it feels great. It feels comfortable. It's a place that I always felt comfortable. And it comes right back, you know. Like when I do Vegas, I do 14 shows in a week. And that first show is is it's a little bit of just like remembering my jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of jokes about Vegas and specifically gambling, Vegas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, show, you know, two, three, four and on, I, it just feels right again, you know. And it, it's amazing to me how it just comes back. Well, the other side of the coin too is Comedy club owners, whether it's Harry or others in other uh, cities, they clearly have confidence in you because they know you're not doing it on a regular basis, but they right. know that once you hit the stage, you're going to be good for it. Right. They've Harry's been great about that. You know, like when I went back after the pandemic, uh, I was with Dom Herrera, who you've had on the show, I believe. Correct. You know Dom? Yes. If, Legendary Dom I've had Harry Basil on one of the older shows that I had on as well when he yeah. was doing his act. Yeah. They're all they're they're best buddies, him and Dom, and I'm good buddies with them as well. And but when we went back, Dom and I were backstage and we he looked at me and he goes, Be honest, are you nervous? Are you afraid that it's not gonna work? <laughs> you know, we haven't been on stage. And I said, Yeah, yeah, I really am. And we both went on and did our show, and then we both came off and went, hey, that was easy. <laughs> and then just coasted the rest of the yeah. weekend, and it was great. I think it's once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. So you can I go along so. through the time. Yeah. It's a muscle, really. Yeah. It's a muscle that you develop that your brain understands the formula. So right? we'll, we'll move from blood to muscle. Okay, I can, I can go with that analogy instead. Yes, that makes more sense. But it's also in yeah, your it, it's also in your blood. blood. Is right too, though. Yeah, because that's the passion. It's it's wanting yeah. to do it too. You appear to be, and I will sign a voucher or affidavit to the effect. You appear to be relatively normal for a comedian, and I think part of it is your Midwest background, and you're still in the Midwest now. Do you find that you don't have to be overly neurotic? No, notice I didn't say neurotic. You don't have to be overly neurotic to be a comedian. Well, some people would argue. That that's not true, that you need to be a total lunatic, neurotic, depressive maniac to pull it off. And I know plenty of guys that are. And I've had plenty of depressing times in in my life, as I just explained. But for me, it's it's an absolute escape because I remember when I was working at Catch a Rising Star, when it used to be at the MGM. The old MGM, right? The old, the, 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 well, the current MGM. Oh, the current MGM. I, I'm thinking even further back to when, where, what is now the horseshoe. Yeah, there, there too. Right. Yeah. I, I played there as well. Yeah. Where it is now, and it, it's a, the Jabberwocky Theater now, I believe, used to be the Catch a Rising Star Theater in the current MGM. And I had just got, found out that my wife, my first wife had lung cancer. And oh, I came in yeah. and everybody that worked there knew me very well, knew my wife. And they were all gathered around me in a very loving sort of way, asking me questions. And I said, guys, let's stop talking about it. You know, I got to go on stage in a minute. I need to clear my head. And they were like, right, right, right. So I went backstage and I was standing in the mirror, just staring in the mirror, destroyed, you know, fighting back tears. And 
saying to myself, I don't know if I could walk out there. I'm real. I was really questioning if I was going to rumble. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a human. That's a human. Yeah. Trade. Yeah. So standing there, <laughs> they say my name. The curtain opens, and I go out, and as if there was like a magic wand. I was forced to focus on the task at hand, which is, oh, there's a room full of people here and I'm supposed to do my job. And and they and just to make a point of it, they, they don't know what's going on in your personal life. So right. yeah. they don't know. Yeah. And so I just straight ahead. And it was such a welcome relief. You know, I did like 35 minutes or whatever I was. Felt fine. I walked off. The problem's waiting for me as soon as I get off stage, of course. But I thought, wow, I can't believe how good that felt to not be forced to think about the obvious problem and being able to just stand in this box and do my thing and escape. And then I, I really looked forward to going to work every night. And, and the people in town were very nice. Catch a Rising Star, Kevin Kearney, uh, Lynn Garlock, mm-hmm. they ran the joint and they kept me working all the time. And it was a really, I remember one night I, someone else came up to me right before and started asking me questions about my wife. And I started crying. I mean, I was literally wiping tears off my face, walked out on stage and was able to do it somehow. I don't know. It's, it's, um, well, it was a distraction in a way, which it can be very good as long as it's not a permanent distraction. That's always a trick. You can't it's avoid. A it's yeah. not like booze or drugs. Right, know? right. No, not it's at all. It's also a way to, you know, mask it. You know, yeah. And drugs. also it gets your endorphins going, which helps you to deal with the stress of it all, too. So, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. When you start to write your comedy or your act, I guess it would be a better way to look at it. How do you process that? I don't want to get overly technical. It's not that. It's really more, what are the what are the topics you look for? So when audiences come to see you who may have not seen you before, what kind of topics do you cover and how do you structure it in terms of when you first start the act? You obviously get, your, you get yourself known by the audience when you first walk out. That's always important, depending on the venue you're in, so that you establish a connection there. And I think also, I know this is a longer question than your answer. But there's also a likability factor, which you have. So I'll shut up now and let you answer. <laughs> uh, what was the question? I forget. <laughs> Basically, how do you structure your act, <laughs> the topics you pick? <laughs> well, a lot of it depends on where I am. You know, let's talk about where I am. The easy one is Vegas. You know, we're all in Vegas together, right? Doing the Vegas thing. You're gambling. You're drinking. You're going to shows. You're uh, buffet. Maybe going buffet. You know all of these things that I am very familiar with because I've not only played Vegas for years, I not only lived in Vegas for years, but I immersed myself in debauchery back in the day. <laughs> not you. Uh, oh no! Flipped <laughs> over a crap table for eight hours uh, for research. 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 Yes. Yeah, it was nothing about fun. I've never thought of you as being a degenerate gambler, so I I can't even I can't even grasp that. I had a little run. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how when I go now, I I hardly gamble at all. (laughs) I got it out of my system, I guess, but or maybe I know the 
you know, the pitfalls of it and how it can go. But they were back in the day. Oh my God. One night, can I tell a dirty story on my show? Sure. Why not? Gambling. It doesn't get too dirty. I finished the show. I was working with Drew Carey to drop a name into the story. And, um, we went out to dinner after the show. And then at about two o'clock in the morning, I decided to start playing craps. I was full of coffee. Played craps from 2 a.m. all into the morning, into the afternoon the next day. And about 4 o'clock the next afternoon, a buddy of mine comes by the table and goes, Hey, uh, when did you start playing? And I said, last night at 2 a.m. He's like, dude, don't you think you should go to bed? I said, yeah, I probably. You know. So I go to bed at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And I have a wake-up call for seven. You know, wake me up. Well, they either forget to call me or I don't wake up. Mm -hmm. I just sleep through the bell. The manager calls me at five till nine. He goes, where are you? I said, I'm I'm in bed. I think it's night. You know, I don't know where I'm doing. He goes, well, you're on in five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep in bed. I leap out of bed, I throw on a suit, and I didn't realize till I got on stage that I had mismatched the suit. Like, wrong thing. I walk on stage and I'm my eyes with, I, I run backstage and Drew Carey looks at me like this. Like, I think I'm getting away to, with it. Right. And then I see Drew's look on his face and I realize I'm not getting away with this. He realized immediately I look like hell. <laughs> I limped on stage and I somehow fought my way through the show. I'm sure it was a terrible show. I was just, uh, (laughs) that was really one of those like defining moments of like, okay, that's it. Enough bad behavior. The light bulb went on and you said, you know, I can't do this and also perform. It's just not going to work. And I only did that about 10 more times. Well, before I let you go, we have a couple of minutes left. What are you looking for towards now? You said you're semi-retired. You perform at selected venues and dates and et cetera. And you're very busy with the pinballs and the girlfriend. Are there other things you want to do? Do you want to write a book or do you want to do something entirely different than you've done? Maybe be in a play as an example? I have a couple uh movie uh slash TV show ideas that are about mostly about my life. One of them's a comedy. One of them's a drama uh, that I'm working on. Hope to flesh those out someday in between the pinball games. Uh, Keeping my girlfriend alive. Yes. (laughs) So that my reputation can change. Yes. And uh, restoring pinball machines. Well, I, I Vegas, we have to go to the Pinball Hall of Fame, Ira. Yeah, we'll do definitely do it. I, I interviewed the owner of it. Uh, what was it about four years ago, five years ago, before they made their move? They moved closer to the strip. So well, is his name Steve? Uh, yes, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but yeah. I think it is. Yes, but they were in the old location on Tropicana Avenue, but they moved on to the strip now. So it's a whole different situation. But that's a great idea to do. I didn't mention as part of my introduction to you, but you also have a background and you've been on many TV shows. So do you miss Hollywood? I guess we'll kind of end with that question. Do you miss performing in Hollywood in terms of TV shows, et cetera? Uh, I guess, you know, that's when in my younger days, I was on a few sitcoms. 
I was on a lot of stand-up TV shows, MTV, as you mentioned, the Star Search Champion thing. Yeah, I mean, that was a great time in my life. You know, you were on TV and people know you and oh, yeah. say, hey, were you on MTV last night? And I remember waking up to my – I went to sleep one night with MTV on. And when I woke up in the morning, I was in kind of a half sleep and I heard my own voice and I woke up to myself on TV. <laughs> well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been comedian Mike Ciccone. He is headlining in the Laugh Factory at the Tropicana Las Vegas through August 27th. For ticket information, you can go to tropelv.com and you can follow Mike about the only place possible, which is Facebook. So Mike Ciccone, Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Ira. Good to see you. Same here. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah,